Monday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. We've got a bunch of football, a bunch of football, a bunch of football, and then maybe a little basketball sprinkled in as well. Uh, yesterday's NFL, boy, Cowboys-Eagles, that was a, a playoff-type game, playoff-type atmosphere that came down to the very, very end as we see a bunch of when the calendar rolls to January and then into February. And as Cowboys fans are just a little bit too accustomed to, the Cowboys close, but no cigar. So it was that. C.J. Stroud was fantastic. I know a lot of people were probably upset when they saw Texans Buccaneers on the on Channel 9 yesterday morning. Obvious connection to, uh, to Baker Mayfield for that. And that turned out to be the game of the day. Just a phenomenal back and forth there. Uh, between those two. So we can talk a little bit on NFL. College football, a wild bedlam game that goes to the Cowboys. Lots to unpack of reasons why, things that happen throughout the game. Um, Something that people have been calling for for a while did happen yesterday. Lincoln Riley fires Alex Grinch after Washington puts 52 on the Trojans in their third loss this season. A lot of other things going on around the country in college football. We've got high school football regular season over. We're into playoff week. What do the brackets look like for the local teams? And then there was some uh, there was some high school hoops on Friday that we can talk about scores from there. One very interesting one. Probably had a reason for it as well. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That's 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things or whatever else might be on your mind. Feel free to chime right in at 225 225- Nine six nine eight. If you're going to be outside the listening area one of these days, you want to stay in touch with us uh, live, you can do that a couple of ways. Log on to kadsam.com or download the app. The app's got it all. It's got radio. It's got the Penny News, Big Elk, and Paragon TV, which that'll just be rolling now um, twice a week at least throughout clear to the uh, to the state tournaments in basketball in March. So got lots. To, we'll have lots of things there to consume basketball and football-wise on Paragon TV. And then, of course, Skinny on Sports podcast is available everywhere you can find podcasts. You punch up a podcast, you can find us there. How are you today, Jared? I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing well. Very well. It's a nice weekend. Weather's going to be nice to start the week. Maybe a little cool come Friday night, but it looks like uh, not too too terrible bad uh, for the week ahead. Yeah, the weather looks great. Weather this weekend was real nice. Real, real nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's gonna be a week for me, man. I'm gonna be. I got my, my wife is out of town all week long, so it's me and, and the girls, and I'm just constantly trying not to screw it up, <laughs> <laughs> trying not to drop the ball, but staying on top of. Okay, have we done this? Have we done this? Have we done this? This morning went pretty smooth because I think I prepared last night. I was, I made lunches last night. I got everything breakfast ready so i just pop it in the oven they like biscuits in the morning 
So I was doing all that, staying on top of the laundry and the dishes. I'm going to be pretty hooked up this week. And I just don't want to feed them chiggy nugs and SpaghettiOs all week either. So I've, I've, I've listed like stuff I'm going to cook them. I'm going to try to do sliders tonight. So going to be a fun week. I'm looking forward to this week. And of course, Big Oak football and high school football playoffs. That's a fun time. This is a fun time of year. It is. It's here. Um, Suddenly every game matters, right? Every game we're going to look at, every score we're going to find, especially, you know, obviously ours, but, you know, our fellow district mates and, and how they're going to do, the rest of the bracket. It's going to be a lot of fun. I love it. Yeah, I was looking for the – to see if the, um, you know, the Oklahoman will always have their top ten games. It's probably tomorrow is when they'll they'll have that top ten games of the week. I would anticipate that uh, there would be some 4A on there. Um, and like we were talking about coming home on Friday night, one of the one of the best first rounds in the state, first round games in the in the entire state, regardless of class, is going to be Elk City and Newcastle. Yeah, that's a that's a phenomenal first round matchup. When you look at uh, where these these teams are ranked six and eight in the Oklahomans poll this week, they do have that up. Um, Newcastle eight and two, the Big Elk seven and three, rematch of a game we saw last year in the first round, and you know, only. There are two rematches in 4A1 versus 4A2, and it's uh, Elk City and Clinton. And essentially, they flipped. Clinton won the district this year. The Elks got second. And then on the other side in 4A2, uh, Blanchard – I'm Blanchard. Bethany um, is now rematched at Clinton. It's it's crazy. Like The, the same place yeah. in the same game. So uh, the district standings were a little bit different this season than they were last, but that's what we get. Uh, with with Newcastle and Bethany finishing three four again, just the other way, and the Big Elks and, and Clinton finishing one two, just the other way, and ends up having the same opponent coming out here. I know for for me and, and now you too, way back in August when we kind of previewed the season and previewed four A, I know both you and I had our eyes on Newcastle and what what they had coming back, especially after seeing them. In that in that playoff game a year ago, uh, um, put up a heck of a fight. I, almost a foreshadowing, in some ways, in that game of of what we've seen this year on the Big Elk season. Because you think back to a uh, one of the biggest plays in that game, and it was the fake punt that the Elks ran right around oh, midfield, right. and Logan Webb was the one that made the throw. Right, and right. then all of a sudden, now uh, I imagine he's going to get to throw it more than just that once uh, coming up on Friday night. But that's uh, a uh, it, it, it's going to be a really tough opponent in the first round for the Elks. Yeah, yeah, it's going to everybody I've talked to about Newcastle is that this is one of their better teams that they've had in, in quite some time, and they've had some good ones. They've, and I said this Friday night, they've kind of had that trajectory of building up that program ever over the last you know five plus years up till now that uh, of uh, having really really good teams. I mean, we've seen classic shootouts. <laughs> right here in this stadium with with the Newcastle team albeit with completely different players but point is uh this is this is a Newcastle team I think can probably win a lot of districts if they weren't in 4A2 because of Tuttle and you know you mentioned Bethany they've had their run they're all getting of course Blanchard they're all really really good and and iron sharpens iron and Newcastle's kind of come up on the short end a lot of times whether it be that three spot or four spot in that district uh, so I mean, this is going to be a fun matchup. I'm in, I'm really anxious to break down, um, you know the uh, the X's and O's, the 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 uh, units versus the other units, stuff like that, and how they match up. I'm anxious to watch some film on them. I haven't seen a lot, just bits and pieces. Anxious to really check them out. 
Um, from everything I'm told, though, they're real physical and um, can really bring the attack to you. Yeah, quarterback is back. I'm pretty sure Jackson Burt was a junior last year, so he'll be a senior. And, you know, they're, they lost some guys off of last year's team, but if I remember right, they were pretty junior heavy um, with, their, with their lineup a year ago. And then I know uh, Trey Bradford, who was a real young guy a year ago, um, has been another one that is that has kind of stepped up into his role this year as well. So yeah, it's going to be it's it's a really tough first round game as it was one year ago. I mean, it just it's going to be it's no cakewalk into the into a trip to Poto or you know what I'm saying yeah. for the Elks. This is going to have to be a game that they come out and they execute and and play physical as as Elk City does. And you know that I think that's the one you know been asked both of us been asked you know how many can any 4a1 team beat a 4a2 team yeah that's i mean like it's a different style mm-hmm. here versus i mean you know in this district than it is in that one and so what do you see a lot of times when it gets down into these close games the team that can run the football the team that can be physical will win the game and i think that's the that's the the trait that 4A1 will, will kind of hang their hats on with the with the four teams that made the playoffs. Cash beat Chickasha on Friday night, so Cash is there. You know, they're coming off. How about the back-to-back wins against Clinton and then to beat Chickasha to make the playoffs. So they've, yeah. been, they've been in the playoffs. They were, yeah, <laughs> they, 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 right. they, They've kind of been in the playoffs for at least a week, if not a couple. So, you know, I'm not sitting here telling you Cash is going to be Blanchard. I don't know if that, how realistic that could be. But I also don't think it's quite as dire as some might around the state when they look at these matchups and, and the love the 4A2 gets. We'll see. But, I, I mean, I would take my chances uh, with the top three for sure. There is a more physical brand of football, uh, almost old-school-like brand of football in 4A1. Line up, run it right at you. If you get two yards, you're doing something good because you know four yards is probably coming next. You know what I mean? And And setting the tone – Whereas, you know, the, the popular thing about football now is throw it around the yard, quick offenses, and, you know, Clinton still does what Clinton does. Oak City is doing what they're what we're doing with the way we run the football. Cash, they can be physical when they want to be. It sounds like they were when they played Clinton. And and um, so that, that that is, yeah, that's something that, and I think a, a, a testament of that is a couple years ago, when Elk City went on that run and went to Cushing, a team that likes to throw it all over place, and they brought the fight to Cushing, same thing. Then went all the way to Grove, kind of did the same thing. So it's I'm with you. I think they're going to see some, um, I don't want to say surprises, but it's not like these teams, it's not like Cash is just going to roll over. It's not like, uh, you know, Elk City is just going to, you know, lay down. They're going to bring the fight, clearly. They've done it all year. And that is a 4A1 thing. They they like to be physical, especially in the trenches up front, and set that tone and set the pace for a ball game. Yeah, if you look at common opponents, they have one, right? And it's Weatherford. Uh, what about Bridge Creek? Did they not? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in the Does district. That I forgot. Yeah. It, uh, I mean. Doesn't it doesn't. Yeah, 40 to 3. You know that's one of the games. He, Be like they're playing the, Woodward, I guess. Yeah, kind of yeah. so. Okay. But you look at the weather game. Thirty-four. The f- first rattle out of the box, thirty-four to fourteen. Newcastle beat Woodward or Weatherford that night. You know the Elks were able to beat Weatherford. I, it, sometimes it's hard to compare some of that stuff because you know it, it would be like you know Elk City playing 
you know, one of the Tri City, the, the Tri City schools. The, the the rivalry between them is so much more intense than just a non district game, like for Weatherford to go play them. There's going to yeah. be a lot more focus and a lot more passion playing out here than it would be in in first game of the season the non district. So, but that is the one. There, there is common opponents. And I also there think the, that the we can look through time and, and of see. the year too. Yeah, first game of the year. First game of the year for them, and then it was middle of the season for us. Taking on Weatherford personnel can totally be different injury wise or hurt. Hundred percent was for Weatherford when you think about the quarterback spot. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It is hard to compare scores. I find it a little bit easier sometimes in high school, but it, it based on timing. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in district, you go, okay, well, uh, Oak City played this team and Weatherford played that team. You know, it, because they're more familiar with each other, and you can kind of get an idea of what you can you can expect when it's a district opponent, but. And then timing, like I said. Yeah. It's going to be fun. We're going to have all week to break this one down. And, and, of course, we'll have Maynard in here on um, Wednesday, get his thoughts moving forward. And, um, and you know, last last go-around in Big Oak Stadium should be should be fun, should be electric, and hopefully a packed house. And let's have fun. Let's go get them. Yeah, that's – so everybody else on Friday night, Bethany is coming to Clinton. Then you have uh, Weatherford going to Tuttle. And Cash goes to Blanchard. That's the 4A1, 4A2 games. In 4A3 and 4, Uligal's at Ada. Broken Bow at Wagner. Salasaw goes to Cushing. And Miami goes to Poto. If you look looking ahead, that's when we kind of did a little bit of that, of that Friday night once we saw the results and kind of the way everything shook out uh, between the other districts. Looking ahead, man, there are some bonkers second, right? At least... Potential, yeah. Potential program, traditional programs. Man, there are some really good possibilities when you look ahead to the second round. I'm talking about uh, Wagner is going to have to play Weatherford or Tuttle. We could get Clinton and Ada at the Tornado Bowl in the second round, which almost had that a couple of years ago, COVID year, and then after Ada beat the Big Elks, then they ended up with you know they could they didn't weren't able to make the trip out. But man, you think about Clinton, Ada, Wagner. Weatherford or Tuttle, you could get Blanchard Cushing, and you could get Newcastle or Oak City at Poto. I mean, that, those are some really good second round games that are on tap. Um, you know, there's there's a few sprinkled in. Obviously, the Elks. And I think to me, the the three that kind of stand out this week, it's to me Newcastle, Elk City, Weatherford, Tuttle. And then Salisaw and Cushing. Salisaw was pretty good for a while, and then maybe they just got into district play and suffered some losses. They were a team that's kind of been in and out of the rankings mm-hmm. throughout the year. But if just kind of looking around, those are kind of the three that stand out to me in the first round. I think it just goes to show you one through how how you know. I think you got ten teams here. When you can get the potential of good matchups like that, I'm not going to say all ten are contenders. But I think the quality of play is really, really – it gets you excited. used to be you weren't excited for first-round, second-round games outside of your own, right? Mm. Now we can go, whoa, uh, potentially a Clinton-Ada matchup in Clinton. Holy moly. Weatherford-Wagner. I mean, the list goes on and on. And it's awesome. Yeah. This, this week, too. I mean, you got Tuttle and Weatherford and, of course, Elk City and Newcastle and Bethany and Clinton. There's a it it just I th- I just applaud it because there's a lot of the quality of uh, programs at least you know ten and up in four A are pretty good. 
So now that you see where everybody's situated in the bracket and have an idea of what the road is to a potential state title, I don't think there's any doubt that the if you, if you just kind of look where the bracket if you look at the bottom of the bracket mm-hmm. that's where you want it to be yeah I, I don't I don't think I don't think that's sliding anybody but man you look up there at the that top bracket the top of that bracket at least in the Oklahomans poll you've got number 10 you've got number seven you've got number four you've got number one you've got number like four Three or four <laughs> with, with Tuttle, Wagner, Ada, Clinton. Bethany's ranked. Weatherford's been ranked most of the year. That just looks, by the rankings, that looks like the harder road to a potential trip to, to UCO to me than it does on the bottom side. Now, on the bottom side does have Ten and Opoto, who is even number one in the AP, I think, for the last couple of weeks after that after that just demolishing of Ada that that kind of raised some eyebrows around the state for sure but i i don't know it looks a little bit of a, a more a little bit of a better road for the elks than maybe say clinton or weatherford absolutely absolutely yeah it's going to be a, yeah when you when i'm just i'm just kind of refreshing my memory and looking at it yeah, you, you you're in a good position if you're Oak City if you can obviously take care of Friday night and they're road warriors and going to either Poto or Miami it doesn't it's not going to phase them and then you never know when you get yourself into that final four spot potential third year in a row to see Cushing in the playoffs kind of the rubber match if that just potential anyway down that's that's a long 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 ways away and friday night it's going to be a tough tough battle uh, with newcastle coming anything else it are you when you look at the bracket does does it change because of the road the potential road do you would you lean poto instead of wagner as a favorite Mm mm-hmm and whoever gets, whoever Wagner gets in that second round, I mean, if Weatherford goes and beats Tuttle, and I'm, that's barely enough. I mean, there's there's a possibility there they can do that. If Weatherford can play up to their potential and hearing some stuff about Tuttle, I mean, Wagner's going to get have a handful there uh, with with uh, with Weatherford, and of course Tuttle too. Traditionally, they're really good, and and they will become prepared. And I could see them slipping up in that second round, sure. Yeah, I'd, I'm kind of – if you're asking me between those two, I'd probably lean Poto. I think we all favorite, believe that – But I would not look past Blanchard either. Kind of my, kind of my dark horse, I guess. Hey, can you be a dark horse if you're number three, Jared? I know. You see, you know, I know, but this <laughs> but whole I, season, it's been it's Wagner, been Poto, Wagner, Poto, yeah. Poto, Wagner. Right. And right. no discussion about anybody else. So, yeah, I mean, you can call him a dark horse. No one's talking about him. They could, they can just, they could probably waltz into the semifinal. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Cushing was one of those that, you know, last year was kind of their year, a lot of people thought, but they've bounced back and played. 
I don't know if exceeded expectations. I would think probably so for everything mm-hmm. they lost. Yeah. Off of that team last year and the, the, yeah, the, the losing, unbelievable run until the very end right. and the disappointment of, yeah. of the way it finished. Because they, they, that was their year that they had circled forever. And then losing that game and the way they lost it on a field goal and just being crushed like that, that could crush you for, for a long time. And and I said this earlier in the year, I think that they've established themselves as a program that reloads and doesn't rebuild. Well, and you look at Wagner's schedule, there's one game that sticks out like a sore thumb, and that is 15-14 against Cushing, by far the closest game they played all year long. You know, if you you think about where Wagner came a year ago from the regular season game to the to winning that finals, they got to be 40 to nothing by Cushing in the regular season. So Cushing's a whole heck of a lot closer in theory than what Wagner was a year ago, mm-hmm. you know. So that's uh it's interesting over there on the other side of the state. So only, you know, this kind of works this way sometimes in certain districts, but only one team with a losing record in it a losing a losing district record we kind of see kind of see that a couple of times throughout each year it seems like uh, but broken bow and hilldale tie, and, and fort gibson all three tied at three and four and broken bow was the one that won that district uh when the won the tie break and so they're the they're the only team that uh that didn't have a winning district record matter of fact they were three and six overall for throughout the season so it's kind of a glance at the, the entirety of, of what Class 4A is. Uh, in Class B, Hollis took it on the chin on Friday night to uh, from uh, Turpin, and so they end up fourth in Class B District 1 standings. They will go to Oklahoma Bible, and that'll be a, that'll be a tough first-round matchup for sure for the Hollis Tigers. Oklahoma Bible, fifth in, in Class B at 9-1. So that's a uh, that's a tough road trip. That's uh, a, yeah, that's a tough one for Hollis. That uh, that district though, Class B District One. When you look at the top ten, you've got three of those four schools right there: Laverne three, Turpin eight, and Shattuck ten. Pretty that's, good. Uh, yeah, that's uh, the only loss outside the district. For that, for the entirety of that district, was uh, Laverne against Sealing. Sealing's number one in Class B. Laverne number three. So the, the, that's well, that tells you that they beat everybody else, <laughs> and then kind of beat up on themselves just a little bit inside the district. But I would, I would imagine, by the time we get to the quarters, semifinals, semifinals, two of those teams may be there. Yeah, if not three uh, you never know but what what else is around the state but uh, that's just been traditionally you know how about being garber five and five hosting a playoff game and you look up and you go who's coming <laughs> shattuck what it seems like a tough break uh for garber but uh, it's it's exciting you're right and i know at big elk stadium on friday night if you are a veteran bring your id uh, and you get in for free. As they should. It's Veterans yes. Day. It's a, th- this happens a lot of times in the first round. I, I'm confused. Is Friday Veterans Day or Saturday? Well, they're they're, they're doing celebrating it on Friday. Friday. Right. Yeah, gotcha. for, the, for, for the first week. It's being celebrated on Friday. 
uh, all around the state. I'm sure there's going to be a whole bunch of people that have that same kind of deal going, but I know here it is. Um, that it's definitely happening. So just make sure uh, if you're a veteran, let people know, and you know you get to come enjoy high school football free. If not, uh, I know you can get tickets online. I'll, I'm sure Hunt will straighten us out throughout the week. Exactly I've seen some stuff already out all, there. Say the online tickets are they going to be sold at the gate? That I don't know. I saw the online thing and some other stuff on Facebook this weekend, but okay. that's the one I saw. Okay. It's going to be fun. We'll talk about it all week long. When we come back, the last bedlam was wild. We figured it probably would be. It's going to be one that's remembered for a long, long time for all kinds of different reasons. <laughs> talk about it everything else going on in college football next skinny on sports coming back at you on a monday right here on the sports animal we were sitting around the office one day and tried to explain what western oklahoma realty was if you had to put it in a dictionary what would you get what kind of definition you would get i think i said is what about were people before property people before property means to me that you care about the person more than you care about what they're buying in that you want them to get the best thing for their circumstances, the best home, the best investment. For all your real estate needs, give Western Oklahoma Realty a call at 225-6271. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal. Hanging out here on a Monday morning. There's just so much to talk about, right? With everything that happened from high school, the playoffs coming, college football, and then well, some pro the football as well. Getting the screwed. thunder, yeah, we can hit some basketball. And here then at the Draymond end. getting karma right back at him. Did you see that last night? Yes. <laughs> Nobody felt sorry for him. The thunder deal was really weird because if you. I saw people posting the words from the rule book, and it was never even really brought. I don't know that. Did he help the ball go in the basket? I don't think so. He didn't look like he touched it, even though at first they credited him with the bucket. Oh, they did. Yeah, initially he was credited with the game winner, and then obviously they went back and realized that he actually didn't touch the ball. That Steph Curry gets the game winner giddy hit the net should that have been a double violation a lot of stuff going on the one thing that you will say is after that game was over the warriors were really complimentary of okc and speaking of draymond especially him about chet and the way the player that he could become and even is right now there was a lot of a lot of praise being heaped on the young thunder by you know, one of those wily old veteran teams that's won four titles in the in the uh, in the Warriors. Well, it's all well and good. Still love to beat them, and and uh, well, I think me and you, I knew obviously we were busy doing our game, and I kind of just went, well, let's just hope they put up a fight because SGA was out. And then when we're walking out of the stadium, and I think it was right at the end of the third quarter, that's how quick our game was, and we had time to go to Chick Fil A and get the get on the road that was awesome anyways we're walking out of the stadium it's in the third quarter thing tied up wasn't it 
Yeah, no, I think it was even further into the fourth quarter, but yeah, I mean. Something like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, we listened to the majority of the end of that game. Yeah, we. I think we turned it on, Thunder up three with a minute. Oh, that's right, that's right. A minute yeah, yeah. 40 or something like that. Yeah. Maybe the was, end of our game, it was in the third quarter once we got out so. of post game. Yeah, I think that's probably um, so. Point is, um, that was surprising for us, and, and that's really, uh, despite the loss, it was nice to think, well, these guys, maybe that was a turning, maybe a little bit of a coming out party for Chet. I didn't see his his box, but I saw a lot of highlights and on you know on Twitter. And I go look what he look at this move, look what this guy can do, and um, not backing down from Draymond. And, you, and that's the biggest thing was the biggest question was how's he going to handle guys much bigger than him and more experienced than him. And I think he's acclimating himself well early in this year, and we'll we'll see if that can continue. I, but it was nice. It was nice to see him compete even without their their all star point guard on the court. Yeah, I think he really saw the issues at the end. Up three, or you know, when when every when Golden State really started paying attention, they it almost felt like even to go back and watch it, the Thunder guys were kind of looking around for SGA to go, you know, make a play. Where's our guy? That's yeah, right. We need our guy to yeah. And a couple of uh, turnovers, right? Or bad shot or whatever. And next thing you know, is you know back and forth and back and forth the last minute, and uh, Golden State ended up ended up. Uh, Earning a two point win, one forty one thirty nine. Did you like the court? I don't. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Not really. It wasn't terrible. Is that I think if you if we had were actually able to watch it like yeah. like start to finish, we uh, you would have got used to it. You know what I mean. But watching like seeing highlights, I was like, man, I I gotta get used to this. You know, it's not a traditional. Yeah, it was kind of shocking. It's it, a little. It just really pops. You know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of shocking. Kind of like the blue turf at Boise State. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I, I wonder how much it was. I mean, those guys know where they're at on the floor or whatever, but being all that much different, how, you know, knowing where you actually were with different, because I mean, there's a lot of, there was a lot going on instead of just, you know, lines <laughs> and mm-hmm, arcs mm-hmm. On, on a basketball court that you're used to seeing. So I wonder how much that it was a little bit frustrating for those guys to try to figure out where everything was. You know, in in the split seconds of of being on the for both guys, yeah, both for both teams, teams. Yeah, yeah, for and yeah. and all over the all over the the, the league too, because right. everybody's doing it. It's not just the Oklahoma City thing; it's an NBA thing. I'm really anxious once this all plays out. This this in season tournament. I'm not calling a mid season because we're barely two weeks in, but I'm anxious to see the response from players, coaches, fans. Do they like it or not like it? Is it you know NBA trying something here to to I don't want to say stay relevant but just you know keep it fresh and keep people's interest in more longer than just you know towards the end of the year but I'm anxious to see what their response is going to be. Yeah, and I'm still not a hundred percent a hundred percent sure what the point is. I think. Like what I just said, keep people interested early. They're doing it right here in the middle of football season. It's it's so they can go. Well, we need a, we need something, something a little extra, something a little extra, and then also to keep players interested because there's all these incentives on in winning this thing. And then you know you're selling more merch with the different jerseys. They're changing up the court, all that stuff. I don't know, and, and maybe it could be a. A motivation for the whoever wins it go hey let's go get another trophy let's go get let's go get a conference championship let's go get an nba title let's really stack you know what i mean 
be the for the first team that's won the in season tournament and the championship. Just to keep, it's, I think they're just trying to keep it more interested. Mm-hmm. People more interested in the game. Well, and there's it's, there's a soccer to it too. I mean, there is an international feel an, to yeah, it. Yeah, because soccer has these kind of in season yeah. tournaments and and all that. They're so. There, do do, do uh, that. the European leagues do something like this? Mm-hmm, do they? Mm-hmm. The basketball team? So oh, 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 I don't know European about the basketball. basketball. So I, I wonder all the does. all the Euros that are over here playing are like, oh, this is nothing new to us. We like doing this. We're used to this stuff. And at the end of the day, it's it's kind of like another game, you know, obviously just right there in the middle of the season. But I'm, I'll just tell you, I'm interested. Well, it, because, of, because you don't really know what it is. Yeah, because it's new. That, that's why it's kind of interesting. Right. To figure out, okay, how does this work? And, and yeah, maybe that's it. It keeps you at least into it. And, and you're right. It's it. I think it's at the time where they need to do it because of football. Instead of just letting normal regular season games, because nobody really pays attention to the NBA until Christmas. And maybe that's what they're thinking. Right. Get some something, some kind of buzz about it. Heading into then, you know, kind of their showcase of Christmas, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, the NBA's here. I mean, that Golden State Oklahoma State game on Friday night, if it was just a regular season game, like who would have, you know, I want, you know, there's that, that comparison too. Was there a lot of people tuning on in because they knew, oh, this is the first tournament game? Let's see. What, and then on top of that, cherry on top was that it was a really good game. Yeah. I mean, what, probably the best game so far in this early year in the NBA. Just really, really good game. Lots of points scored. Controversy, all the good stuff. And on top of that, it was in the tournament game. So, but if it wasn't a tournament game, would people have cared? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. Know? I don't know if anybody cares that it was or wasn't. You know, it it might have helped. Does it change the way the players play? Like, wow, we really want to go one and zero in this mm-hmm. to start things off. Well, there's money incentives, obviously. Uh, yeah, the money thing. Yeah, to be able to do that. So. Um, high school basketball talked about it getting going on Friday for the smaller schools as well. Um, surprising result, I think there was a reason there was a surprising result in Hammond on Friday night. Defending champion Lady Warriors uh, were taken down by Sentinel, fifty to forty-six. Now, um, I actually talked to some people that were at that game on Friday on oh, Saturday yeah. morning. Talked to some people and. I saw a really cool video from that game. Said that uh, Hammond, obviously Hammond didn't have Henley West, and which that is, that changes everything about that game. But kudos to Kennedy and kudos to to the Sentinel Lady Bulldogs going into Hammond, first game since the Lady Warriors hoisted the trophy in the Big House a year ago, and uh, and were able to get the win. I think that's uh, something to watch. If that's Maybe maybe that we should have blinking warning lights going off in our minds that hmm, Sentinel may be okay or may be pretty good, even you know without Henley. Hey, we know we know. I'm not calling her Kennedy. She deserves our respect. Calling her Coach Carter because it sounds cooler. I mean, if you're a basketball coach, your name is Coach Carter. You're doing you're you're going to be pretty good. But she's a competitor, right? We've known her a long time. She's a competitor, and I think yeah, she's building up some over there at Sentinel and and um. um got that big win that had to be an emotional for her going back to her home her first game as a varsity head coach uh going up against your old high school and, and then taking taking the crown there yeah so watch the sentinel lady bulldogs see what they can do the rest of the year and nothing else very surprising uh to me canute handled eric pretty easily 50 to 8 
Cheyenne Raiden girls beat the the, the uh, Visai girls 72-25. And on the boys' side in those games, uh, Canute handled Eric 76-46. Cheyenne Raiden clipped Visai 47-44. Sentinel beat Hammond 68-46. Then Leedy beat Sweetwater 75-25. There was not a girls' game there. Uh, Sweetwater didn't have enough. So that's why there's not a, a Leedy girls' score. I wonder that. if that's an all-season thing or not well, enough because – FFA the, convention. The, the FFA uh, convention – there, that may be very likely there. You like, you like to hope that it's that way. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just they had you know people do, especially the, you know the, it feels like the smaller the school, the more people are busy with multiple things. You know everybody kind of has to do everything. So you hope that that's the case for uh, for Sweetwater there. And then once they get done with that, to get back from Indianapolis and everybody will be ready to go on Tuesday. So that'll do. I think we got the high school stuff covered. Now yeah, on to Bedlam. Yeah, it's uh, going to be busy, busy, busy with the high school stuff. No doubt. we we'll have hoops tomorrow. Yeah. I didn't even prep for that. <laughs> when we come back, all things Bedlam from Saturday. Oklahoma State defeating Oklahoma in the last one for a long, long time. Hi, everybody. This is David Osterloh. Many of you know me because I ran a retail business in Elk City for over 30 years. That's where I learned that if you take care of your customers, they will take care of you. So when it was time to look for a career in real estate, I wanted to land someplace that had the same principles. Western Oklahoma Realty seemed like a natural fit. Putting people before property is the same as taking care of your customers. Since I've been at Western Oklahoma Realty, I've come to understand that is how they do business. People before property is not just a hashtag, it's a way of taking care of customers. When you are looking for your next home, we will find a place that your family can call home. When you are going to sell your current home, we will find a buyer that loves your place as much as you do. Western Oklahoma Realty, where putting people before property is a way of life. Come see us at 602 West 3rd Street. We are in the historic greenhouse on the hill, one block west of Homeland. Or you can check out our website, westernoklahomarealty.com, or even call us at 580-225-6271. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal. Hanging out here on a Monday. Let's take a look at the Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em standings. Things tightened up just a little bit. As most everybody had a pretty good week, except for Big Poppy, the guy, the, the, the leader. <clears throat> three and ten. I'm sorry, three and seven. And that allowed uh, Traver's picks. We've got to figure out. That's, I'm, I'm going to guess it's not. I'm going to guess it's Jared's son. But I bet you, yeah. But if we'd asked Jim, he'd claim it if it's if it is indeed in first. Give place. it up to him. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's me. It's Big Poppy now. I think we had what like a five four game lead last week. Now that lead has been trip, trimmed to one. So sixty and forty is the leader. Fifty nine and forty one. Three way tie for third. At fifty-seven and forty-three, and there you are, sixth. You and Dakota, just guessing. Well, just guessing pretty well. Brandon Embry's there. You got Denny. Game back. Coach Green's back there. Barry Wayne Trotter's there. Broadbent's there. There's a bunch. There's. It's getting kind of narrow there. It is. It's, yeah. 
it's starting to see a little bit of a, you know, like how far back can you be right now mm-hmm. to try to be able to make it. Now, another three for 10 by Poppy, and all of a sudden, somebody that's like 54 and 46, they can get there. Yep. With, a, you know, a seven or eight. Like Coach Green right there, eight. I guarantee he vaulted way up into the top 20. Getting eight when everybody else is in that three, four, five, you know, a six and a seven at the very, very top to to get back in there. So, still a bunch of weeks left. When we got this week, what four weeks? And that'd be the tenth through the championship. So the eleventh, so the eighteenth, eleventh, eighteenth, twenty fifth. Yeah, four weeks. Four. Yep. Four weeks left in the Western Oklahoma Realty College Picking Contest. Thank you to Tyler and Robbie, all the gang at Western Oklahoma Realty. People for proto, uh, people for property is their motto. All right, Jared Bedlam on Saturday, wild, wild, wild game. It was um, Bedlam. It, 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 it was, was just, it was a wild game. It was back and forth. It was contentious. It was, it was, it was everything. It was everything you hoped it would be. That that wasn't the time for a dud, a, a dud of right. a game. Especially we talked about it all week last week. How that game has con- consistently delivered the goods with entertainment. Uh, with with controversy sometimes, and with the game being close, and that's exactly what we got. And Oklahoma State was able to make just enough plays to defeat the Sooners twenty seven to twenty four, and win the and put themselves in a great position now with the, with the games remaining on their schedule, um, all against the newcomers of the league. Although this one this week I think is the by far trickiest going to UCF, a team that's kind of. Uh, I think they, they've played better than one in five in the conference. If that makes sense, I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, they've I think had, they're. Yeah. I think they're better than a bunch of teams that are ahead of them in the schedule. To be honest, but that's where they're at, and that's what their record is. So a tricky one going there, and what's one of the biggest home games in the history of that school, probably, or the, one of the best opponents to ever come to that school, ranking and all that kind of stuff. So um, OSU's got a lot ahead of them, of them. But just give me your thoughts. What, what did? Where were you at on on the way the Bedlam played out? Uh, well, like I said, pleased that it was a good game. Um, obviously, being an OU fan, not pleased with the result, but everyone's going to say, well, that was because of the officiating. I'm I'm not going there because there were opportunities before the non-pass interference call that I looked at and go, they should be up 35-17 right now. You know, when they had the ball and unable to move it down the field or whatever interception on the opening play of the or uh, drive of the third quarter Uh, there's opportunities where they they could have pulled away and they just didn't do it and so the questions of the offensive play calling are come screaming back um the fourth down play and that uh, that pass over stoops was questionable i mean there's all that i'm not gonna be that whatever you know everyone's going oh the the officials gave it to him i'm not doing it. it doesn't help but i think the play calling um, uh, there's, I just don't understand it sometimes and, and we can go round and round about it. But point is that Oklahoma had opportunities to pull away. Like I said, there's one time and I shot a text out, you know, everybody has a group text with their boys. And I said, should be 35, 17. They, they, they've squandered opportunities to really pull away in this game. And they, they, they just didn't take advantage of it and credit OSU for, for taking advantage of it. Credit. Hey, Mike Gundy, he coached a heck of a game. I thought, I thought he, he, kind of came out of his shell 
when it comes to a coaching versus coaching matchup, he's always, not always, but a lot of time, especially in this game, have come up on the short end. And he was more aggressive. He was patient. He he made the right play calls. He recognized matchup opportunities at the wideout position. Uh, number 10, his name escapes me. Rashad Owens. Uh, Owens early in the game and um, testing um, the secondary, the health of the secondary. Is he really going to go or not? You know, and stuff like that. He was I, – I applaud Gundy and his play calling and um, for what they did. And the crowd was outstanding. And it was everything you, you would hope Bedlam w- would be. Uh, if you were just an outside observer, you go, that's why, why we tune into this game because it is fun every single year. Sad it's going away. Hope it's not. Hopefully not going away forever. Hopefully they, they find a way to make this work. Not at a bowl game. You want to see this in Stillwater or in Norman. And we hope that you know the stubbornness or whatever it is for both presidents or ADs that goes away and they find a way to go, guys, we can't let this go away. It might go away for, and I, and I think I said this Friday, I think it's going to be maybe another decade before we see a regular season game uh, in Stillwater or Norman uh, between OU and OSU. But there are a lot of question marks for OU. A lot of question marks on, on what, you know, I thought defensively they did their best. I thought they did their best, what they could do uh, um, against the running back, against uh, 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 Ollie Gordon. Uh, they contained him for the most part. He had a couple big runs there, but you know, and, and credit Ollie Gordon too, battling through injury. But um, I thought it, Stutzman is—he didn't. I, he, again, I go back like the Kansas game. If he was on the field, does that change things? I don't know. I don't know if it does either because the problem wasn't defense. No, it wasn't. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't. They they did good things against the run game i thought the problem for oklahoma wasn't the defense it was the I mean, offense gordon yeah. had 137 but it took him 33 yard 33 carries to get there 4.2 that's that's very very good the they made stops on fourth down they, more, yeah. I mean, they did they did everything they could to give their offense an opportunity to pull away in that game oklahoma got the interception from billy bowman what was that at the very beginning of the first quarter or the fourth quarter when gordon threw the pass yeah Bowman intercepts it, gets it all the way on the other, right to midfield or pa- or just past midfield on the return or so near midfield. Oklahoma's still up 21-17 to 17 at that point, and that is where it has to finish. And just the, the ludicrous play calling at times, trying – there was no reason at the first of the game. Nick Anderson picks up the, the third down on what 13 or whatever all the way down into the OSU territory like the 35 and you try to run some gadget play and you fumble it away what yeah, I mean I was, what are you what I are you was, doing yeah I was scratching my head what saying, are why, you doing why are we trying to get cute here it, and that see to me that was the the phrase of the day and it was it it, it was it was like Levy or who got to put it on his, at his feet Every single time, it felt like there was some momentum gained offensively, say with a run game. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the opening possession of the third quarter, you get a couple first downs, you start to really, you, all of a sudden, you're running the ball, and then Gabriel throws it into double coverage, and it's an interception. There were other times where it felt like it, it was like the just off balance. The entire time, when when it when it, when it seemed like 
oh, this is a nice time to run the ball. It was a pass. And then when it seemed like it was a good time to, to, to pass the ball, it was a run. You know what I mean? Yeah. As things were building in, in certain drives. But Oklahoma made way too many mistakes in this game. Lose the turnover battle 3-1. to one. And, and, I mean, yeah, the, the Gabriel pick into double coverage was a play Oklahoma State made, right? The other two were just stupid. Like the snap wasn't even supposed to be coming back there. You know, mishandling it on whatever that was supposed to be. Some sort of fake reverse pass, whatever that was going to be. And then the next time, just firing it right at his feet as he kind of it just you can't make mistakes in that in, in in positions like that in games like that and as much as people as much as the record looks better than it did a year ago for Oklahoma the same mistakes are costing them games that happened a year ago in my opinion the the only the only glaring difference between this team and last year's team is the schedule yeah. Which leads to wins, because now they executed down the stretch against Texas. There's no doubt about that on that last drive. But how much did last year and this last week and this week look exactly like last year's Oklahoma team? What is that now? One and or two, I guess the UCF win. So two and seven and one score games for Venables as a head coach? Two and seven. Two and seven? Two and seven. I got that stat thrown okay. at me this week. Okay, uh, I was thinking it was – it just wasn't it. And, 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 and OSU can celebrate. It, it, to me, the to me, this game this game was way more about Oklahoma losing it than it was about OSU winning it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, until the game was over, it never felt to me – like Oklahoma was going to win. I mean, like Oklahoma was going to lose. It just felt like that that was a game they were always going to win. But that's also thinking about past Oklahoma teams and past Oklahoma coaches, whereas so far, this one has not been able to get his team to, to figure out a way to execute in the biggest leverage moments of games, especially on offense especially offensively. And whether or not that is Levy, whether or not that is Gabriel, offensive line, what have you, it just hasn't happened. And that's the that's going to be the overarching theme, I think, to these first two years of, of what Brent Vittables in Oklahoma is doing. It's figuring out, they, they all have to collectively figure out a way. There, there's no reason that should have been a loss. The last two weeks, they should not have lost those games. Everything was right there in front of them to take, and they couldn't do it. And it, and it was off. And, and it was offensively. You look at last week, not getting a first down after Ethan Downs's pick to slam the door. That is on the offense. Now, did the defense give up? Did they need to be better as well and not give up that last drive? Absolutely. But they should have never been on the field. They should have never had to stop that drive. And then this week, time and again, Oklahoma has the ball with chances to go up two scores and cannot do it. Past Oklahoma teams do that. And then all of a sudden it makes it, it kind of takes Ollie Gordon out of the second half a little bit because of being forced to throw. And by the way, Bowman was great. Very, he was great on Saturday. 
He did absolutely what he had to do. He did not turn the ball over. The most surprising play of the entire day is him running a quarterback draw for a 13-yard touchdown. And the first time, I mean, it, nobody, obviously nobody on in white saw that coming because it, it may have taken about eight seconds to get 13 yards, but he had time. He, he had the room to, to for it to take eight seconds. Yeah, and then Oklahoma defensively trying to get pressure. I know the ball was coming out fast. Yeah, Will makes a point. No, zero sacks. I know the ball was coming out fast, and it felt like they had him on the run a little bit at times. And, and, and on big downs, you know, it didn't seem like Bowman had all day until that last the last scoring drive to take the lead. So the penalties are what they are. Listen, if the, yeah, I think you're exactly right. The Sooners had chances to make plays in that game where that none of that matters. None of that matters if if you execute on offense and take take control of that game in the middle of the third to early fourth quarter like the, the like the present like the uh, the opportunity was presented to you and you couldn't do it and then that's when some of that stuff starts to matter was it pass interference on on, on Drake Stoops in the end zone no one with a functioning brain would say no you can't even you, you, you I mean you can't even come up with any sort of explanation to how that's not pass interference because it won. One million percent was. He was literally tackled out of bounds by the by the defensive back. It was pass interference, but did it cost Oklahoma the game? No. Their lack of execution throughout the second half of that game cost them the game. Boneheaded mistakes at key situations cost them the game. That was I mean, that just, wasn't going to win them the game. You don't know what's going to happen after. You don't. That. No, it's it, not the it could last be another, play. Another botch snap fumble. You never know. It was not the last play. You, yeah, that's why I don't want to say the refs cost. And here's what's game. crazy. I actually thought the I, I I actually thought the call against Vickers was even more absurd. Refresh my memory. The defensive pass interference, third and eight. OSU's at their own five, and the the receiver kind of tackled Makari Vickers on the. Far sideline, it led to the the Brent Venables penalty as well. Right, right, yep, back to yep, back. Yep. I mean, I, to, I mean, I thought that was almost more egregious than than Stoops's even. And you know, those are those are key calls at key points in the game. But but what I think the point both of us are trying to make is that if Oklahoma takes care of the opportunities that they had presented to them in the second half offensively, those those calls don't matter near as much. No. They they don't matter at all. Because the Sooners have a, a two touchdown lead or more, and but once again, for the second straight week, yeah, it's not on the defense. But did the defense make the stand when they had to? Nope. And then the offense couldn't do it either. So, yep. That's uh, congrats to the to the Pokes. It's a huge, huge win, obviously. It's not a win that anybody considered being possible for uh, you know what five months ago or five five months five weeks ago, but the turnaround that Oklahoma State has made has been remarkable. To think of where they were, really after the South Alabama game, you know, Iowa State that was they they played pretty well, just couldn't quite get it done in that game. But to think where they were after thirty-three to seven loss to South Alabama at home, to now, in the absolute driver's seat to get to da- to get to Arlington, man, yeah, it's. 
I know you look at some some different names that are up at the top of the the Big Twelve Conference standings that you don't see. You know, Kansas with Leipold. Look at West Virginia four and two. Neil Brown. Most people thought they were the worst team in the conference heading into the season, and there there they are four and two. They get a win in Norman on Saturday. Then you start you have to start looking at what their schedule is. When how can they maybe weasel in there? The lost OSU hurts obviously, but you know that's a, there, there's a lot of possibilities there. Uh, but in my mind, if it's awarded today, Mike Gundy is one million percent the Big Twelve Coach of the Year with what he's done to turn it around. Now I'm sure OSU fans will sit here and also say it's partly his own fault for not unleashing Ollie Gordon and for the ridiculousness of three quarterbacks. Part of the struggles may have been his fault in the early going, but, and we've seen this out of him, I don't understand why it has to go through the downs to to be able to get to the ups, but he eventually does make the right decision. This year it probably cost him at least one game, if not two. Sometimes it costs him just a horrible first half with Alex Cade out there instead of Brandon Whedon. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the game yeah. still gets to be won. This time it cost him a couple of losses in the early season, but it hasn't cost him a chance to be Big Twelve title to, to win the Big Twelve title. It hasn't because they are right there in the driver's seat with at UCF, at Houston, and BYU at home. And if you'd have told me that five, if you'd have told me that, whatever that September, <laughs> early September afternoon, and when I was in Buffalo Wild Wings watching Oklahoma State get destroyed by South Alabama, if you'd have told me that, I'd have had I'd have had them lock you into an insane asylum. From what oh, was no, going I on, I would have said, "You want to bet? How much you want? Yeah. I'll bet you any amount of money. Yeah, You're wrong. Thing. Yeah, I would have been, I, I would have been out of some money probably. Yeah, it's been pretty good. It's, it's been good. It in. You know, on the text line, and I get it. It just being a fan of any team, if you, you have to go, man, why weren't you doing this early? Why? You, and I wonder if he's thinking, I've tried to hold hold Ollie Gordon, not back, but trying to keep him as healthy earlier in the year, thinking they can get those wins without him. That way, you have him fresh to go this time of the year. And maybe that backfired. Maybe I don't know what the thought process is. Our coaches are squarely; <laughs> they'll tell you they are. So. Yeah, they've gone. They've gone from Brennan Presley and Ollie Gordon touched the ball five times in a thirty-three-seven loss to South Alabama, to Brennan Presley and Ollie Gordon touching the ball. Let's see, thirty-three, thirty-four on the pick, forty-two, forty-three of the sixty-six snaps. <laughs> yeah, the turnaround is. I mean, and that's a huge part of it. Those two guys, and obviously Bowman as well. Settling on a guy, and I think even Alan Bowman in the loss after the Iowa State loss, he said something that kind of got looked over or whatever. But I think he makes a huge point, and I think he's right about this. He talked about how the week of Iowa State, when it you know it was obvious it was going to be his team, he was going to be the starting quarterback. Period. End of story. He talked about how much more of a leadership role then he could start to take. Because now it's you know it's on my shoulders and the guys start to look to me to make the plays, and I think that's a very interesting thought that he had, and it's obvious that uh, that that's working uh, for no matter why it didn't before, it is working now. And man, the Cowboys are are right on track. 
They're looking for their second Big Big 12 uh, title game appearance in the last uh, three years. And right now it looks like Texas. Texas lose. I've got to figure out the tie breaks. Who knows? Because one Texas loss and some wins by those teams behind, and all of a sudden we're going to have about a six-way tie for second between some, you know, with some of those games will play out and they'll play each other. But it was a, uh, it, it was everything you'd hope for the last Bedlam. It's got a little controversy. It, had, it was, it was chippy. It was good. It was physical. It was close. It was exciting all the way down to the very end uh, when Oklahoma State made the defensive play uh, to stop OU on fourth down and uh, earn the the Bedlam win. So. Good stuff, no doubt about it, uh, for for that last Bedlam game. And, you know, sorry, Sooner fans. As I said on Friday, 91-19-7 doesn't mean a damn thing today. That number has been replaced. And it ain't 91-20-7, right? It's 27-24. to 24. And those are going to be the only two numbers that anybody from Oklahoma State gives a damn about until this game eventually gets played again, no matter how long down the road that is. Maybe a loss will get things going, get the talks going, and get this, keep this going. Oh, if I'm Oklahoma State, I never play this game again. <laughs> Absolutely not. <clears throat> it's interesting to think, though, who who would want this game to happen more? And does does what happened Saturday change that? You know, does it change your mind going into and then out of? Mm-hmm. You know, who who would rather play? Maybe if OU had won, OSU would say, oh, yeah, we got to play again. We almost got you, got you that time. <laughs> Maybe so. Everybody <laughs> have a great day. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way.